Amen. Thank God for His presence in our lives. And so I'm going to let you remain seated this morning. But if you would, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter number 3 this morning. 2 Peter chapter number 3. And uh, you ever you ever wonder sometimes, you're watching the news and seeing things, you ever wonder what in the world's going on? You know, and, and it, there's there's so much happening out there. And uh, of course, the Bible speaks with authority, and I love the authority of the Scriptures. And God's Word gives us uh, insight, gives us perspective on some of the events that are happening now, and it even gives us some insight on events that are yet to happen. And uh, so this morning, Lord willing, God's uh, directed me. I've been asking the Lord, not withholding uh, on doing a series like this, but just waiting on God's timing. But uh, this series hopefully will help you to see what the Bible says about our past, what the Bible says about our present, and what about what the Bible says about things that are yet to come. And so I've entitled this series, uh, however long we'll be in it, The Signs of the Times, as we see in the Word of God. And so I've entitled today's message, which is really more of an introductory type of a message. It'll a little bit, be a little bit more on the teaching, maybe more than the preaching side. And of course, you know, every preacher, if he's worth, worth his weight in salt, is a preacher, so uh, this morning I'll do a little teaching and preaching, all right? And so you'll know, as Brother Humbert says, when I'm teaching, I'm talking to you. When I'm preaching, I'm yelling at you, all right? And so uh, so we'll, we'll look at uh, this morning the basics of Bible prophecy, basics of Bible prophecy, and uh, let's read, beginning reading here in Second Peter. It's interesting, uh, you can go all over various places in the Bible and find uh, a lot of prophecy concerning the days ahead, Old Testament and New, but interesting uh, that today we're, we're actually going to be in a portion in the New Testament that was written, uh, recorded by Peter, the same man that denied the Lord three times. But remember, these aren't Peter's words, they're God's words, and notice what it says in 2 Peter 3, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says here, uh, this second epistle, and of course the word epistle is a letter, and so this would be Second Peter. He says, this second epistle, beloved, I write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye might be or may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord Jesus, of the Lord and Savior. So notice there past the prophets and the uh, beyond them, the more near uh, uh, future would be the apostles of the Lord and Savior. He says, knowing this first, that there shall, notice shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Now, if you have been saved for any length of time, studied the Bible, you probably are like me and many others. We believe in what is called the imminent return of Christ. What that means is that the Lord could return at any moment. The, the Lord could return today. The truth is, when you study the writings of Peter and Paul and many others in the Bible, you find that they believed that the Lord would come back in their day. Uh, I've had discussions with uh, Brother Flynn, and Brother Flynn has uh, made it very clear to me on numerous occasions that he really believes, and I believe that he believes, that the Lord is going to come back in his day. Uh, just like in the New Testament when Mary and Joseph brought the child Jesus into the temple area, and there was a man, the Bible records, I think we saw that last week, Simeon, and God had told him that he would not see death till he had seen the Lord's salvation. And as he was holding the Christ child, he, he basically said that he was ready to depart. He knew that, that he had seen the, the salvation of the Lord. And Jesus is the salvation. He's the Savior of the world. And so as we 
think about this matter of what Peter is writing here about how he is talking about uh, the things that, uh, that have happened. He says, the, when is the promise of his coming? See, there's a lot of people even today that have said, and, and again, I get it, the skepticism that's out there. Well, people have been talking for hundreds and even thousands of years about the coming of the Lord, and it still hasn't happened. Well, I get that. Understand that what we are at the mercy of and what we are waiting on is God's perfect timetable. See, we cannot hurry up God's plan or God's purpose for the ages. One thing we do is we are waiting patiently for God to continue His plan. And as we are waiting, we must be faithful. Now, a lot of us are seeing the signs of the changing of this world we live in. And with each passing year, we know that the history of this world is somehow winding down. Many years ago when Peter was given the privilege to write, and of course Peter was just the human penman, we understand that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, but Peter wrote about these voices that were going to be persuasive and they were they would be powerful voices that would influence the whole world. And these voices that uh, Peter wrote about in his day are voices that we are hearing today. And if you are a Bible-believing Christian, you should not be surprised at these voices that we're hearing because God foretold that these voices would come. Notice with me this morning the rise of end-time voices. First of all, we see the voices for what is called a new world order. Now, I don't know if you've heard, and of course, if you haven't, you've probably been living uh, in a cave, but there have been many, many people that have been talking about this daily in the news. Sometimes politicians and world leaders are calling for what is known as a new world order. Now, when you study the Bible, here's what you find is God is a God of order, and this world was created by Him. But yet, I don't know why it is that man thinks that he can improve on what God has already done. But man thinks that what we need is a new world order. What man needs is the Savior. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this new world order would eventually give way to what would be a global empire uh, of the Antichrist. It would be something that would encompass a world government that would have a world economy, that would have a world religion. This is what some people call globalization. If you want an easy definition for what globalization is, it is a plan for the surrender of national sovereignty to a world government headquarters and a world court. By the way, A lot of these things are already in place. A lot of people have no idea about what is going on in the world and understand that this is something that is being promoted, it's being pushed. The spread of globalization is being fueled by a desire for a world economy. Uh, They have been trying to have a currency that the entire world would have. Now, Recently, in a USA Today article, Pope Benedict XVI released a statement at the G8 summit in Italy, and here's one of the many statements that he made, and I'll read it word for word. Such an authority is urgently needed to end the current worldwide financial crisis. Now, what the Pope was referring to or speaking about was he was talking about the United Nations political authority. Uh, there is a, the United Nations is headquartered in New York State. A lot of people really don't have a clue, but here we have one of the most outspoken, one of the people that many would listen to, the Pope saying that what we need is this, uh, this authority, we need this uh, political authority to help us. Now, the final phase of the new world order is most likely to be a world religion. 
Now, again, a lot of people don't understand, but the new world religion is something that would be given to promote world peace and cooperation that has been suggested. It's been promoted by many of the world leaders today, several popes, as well as the Dalai Lama, and the leaders of the World Council of Churches have endorsed the idea of religious unity. We should note as Bible-believing Christians that these moves are motivated by a desire for more than a unity. Really what they are promoting, the end game, listen to me, is a world religion that does not have Christ as the head. And listen, can I tell you, I as a believer, as a Christian, as a husband that has a family, I am not interested in a world religion. I am interested in God being the head of the church. I am interested in doing things God's way. And a new world religion will have no real spiritual value. And we need to understand the danger of the voices that are crying out for a new world order. There are also voices today that are against Israel. There are some crying out for a new world order, but many continue to be against, to oppose Israel as a nation. One of the most significant historical events, prophetically speaking, that has happened in the last 75 years was the rebirth of the state of Israel. Israel today stands as a powerful testimony uh, to the accuracy and the timing of biblical prophecy. Yet there are many voices today that are anti-Israel, that are uh, arising more and more as the days progress. It is known as anti-Semitism. It's a hostility against Jewish people. The growth of anti-Semitism confirms the God of Israel as the true God and that His Word is completely reliable. There are many passages of Scripture that deal with the prophecy that there would be a growing hatred towards Israel as the Lord tarries His coming. It's no secret that when we see what's going on in the world today politically, and militarily, how they, they are countries aligning against Israel. The amazing thing when you study Israel, the size of Israel is literally the size of the state of New Jersey. Now, if you've ever looked at a map, New Jersey is not a very big state, but yet Israel is a very, very small nation that God has had his hand on, that this is the nation that God has chosen to bless. And understand that even today, that Israel is surrounded, as you see there on the screen, by 22 hostile Arab Islamic dictators that combine together. They represent 640 times the size of the nation of Israel and 60 times the population of Israel. They say, wow, talk about being outnumbered. Talk about being a minority. Well, listen, the one thing they do not understand is that there is something or someone that they do not have, and that is the God of the universe. And so Israel today has been blessed of God, and God in His Word has said that He will bless the nation that blesses Israel, that allies with Israel. And I'm glad that to this point, as a country, as a nation, we have remained friends with Israel, but I think, folks, as time goes on, we will even see a change in that. Every day, Israel as a nation is faced with more and more pressure to make concessions. And listen, it's so important that we understand that God is with them, but yet there are many voices today crying out for a new world order. There are many voices that are against Israel. Notice there are Voices also speaking in the last days of history. Now, look, I'm going to tell you that through this series, however many weeks we're on it, I am not a date setter. I am not here to, to say, listen, it's going to happen here or it's going to, you know, the only thing I want to try to do 
is stay true to what the Bible has to say when it comes to Bible prophecy. But I know this, that, that I've had many conversations with people that are enamored with Bible prophecy. Personally, I, I think that we need to study all the Word of God. I think we need to understand the, 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 the study of the doctrine of the last things, the things that are going to happen yet future. But here's the thought, and I hope you get this this morning in the message, that I really believe that the reason God tells us, because if you're saved today like I am saved, that according to the Word of God, you have a home in heaven, and there's going to come a time where the Lord is going to come back, and He's going to take the saints, the believers, out of this world, and we will not go through many of the things that will happen during the time of prophecy in the days ahead of of this world as we know it today. And so as a result of that, I could just say, well, listen, I'm saved. I know it. I, I have a home in heaven. Why do I need to understand prophecy? And here's the reason, because I really believe that God has given it to us so that we would then be more motivated that God has saved us And although we will not go through much of this, that there are others that we know and that we will meet, that unless they too come to know Christ, they will go through this. It should give us a burden for the lost. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, I hope that God stirs your heart today. Because without Christ, you will go through much of what we will study in the days ahead. Now, having said that, there are many today that are so enamored. Uh, I had the privilege of going to do a, my wife and I do a couples retreat for a, a church that we've, we've just tried to be a friend to, a small church that started uh, quite a few years ago up around the Fort Pierce area in a town called Seward. And so on Friday night and Saturday, we went and, and just uh, had a great time with about eight couples from their church. And and, uh, and just really enjoyed it. But we were getting ready to leave to come back to the area yesterday, and one of the one of the wives of one of the couples had a book in her hand, and she came to a marriage couple's retreat with a book about Bible prophecy. And I was like, I hope she was getting the lessons that I taught instead of studying about the prophecy. There's a time and a place for everything. But we were talking about this. We were talking about how important it is to know
going to say peace and safety, but notice it says here, then, as he's talking about peace, as he's talking about safety, sudden destruction will come upon them, and it's going to be just like a woman that goes through childbirth, and they shall not escape. Now, there are many voices out there that want to share things that, again, I do not find in the Word of God. I am trusting in what God has to say about what's going to take place in the days ahead instead of what others. There's really only one true voice, one authoritative voice that you and I need to be listening to, and here it is. You're holding it in your hands today, the authoritative Word of God. And as we think about this, there are numerous prophetic truths that are given to us throughout the Bible. One of those places, again, known as the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Now, what is Revelation? It is God unveiling things to us that we would otherwise not know. It's an uncovering or an unveiling. Revelation is a source of comfort for today's Christian. When we think about biblical revelation, it actually gives us hope. It gives us as Christians, the ability to live with courage and to live with confidence, not in ourselves, not in our church, not in our good works, but in the promises of Almighty God. See, I'm trusting in what God has to say. Prophecy reveals that even though there's going to be disaster and even though there's going to be turmoil in this world, that there is victory for us in the completion of God's plan for the ages. And that is what we are trusting in. I love the fact how God in his word, what he essentially does is God kind of lifts the curtain a little bit. And he allows us to see what the end will be. Now, again, I don't know and I don't believe that we know it all, but I think God gives us enough. And maybe, maybe God could show us more, but it might scare us to death. God gives us a small snapshot, especially when it relates to the final triumph of the Lord Jesus and the eternal rewards for the saints. It's kind of like in the Revelation, we see the final answer to what Jesus prayed and what many times is referred to as the model prayer. Notice the final answer to that prayer in Matthew 6.10. Jesus said, thy kingdom come, notice, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So there are many today, the rise of voices in the end times. And there are some that say, listen, what we need is we need a new world order. And again, we need to understand the full ramifications. Some of that sounds good, but again, we need to see the end of it for what God says it would be. And then there are some that are against Israel that continue to oppose, that continue to try to uh, force Israel to make concessions. And then there are those who are living in what they believe historically are the last days that are saying things, but we must trust in the Word of God. So look at the second thing this morning, the revelation of Bible prophecy. What does the Bible say about prophecy? Well, again, we come back to Peter. We come back to what God gave him to record in 2 Peter 1 in verse 19. Look what the Bible says. We have a more sure word of prophecy. I like that statement there. Peter says, whereunto ye do well that you take heed. In other words, you would be smart to listen to what the Bible has to say as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Unto the day dawn, the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Look at me for a second. Here's what the Bible is saying. That although I'm a pastor, although I'm a preacher, although I've been in the ministry now for many, many years, I do not have any special uh, insight over what you do. All of us that are saved have the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. All of us have the Word of God. I grew up in a religious system that did not want the members of that system to have a copy of God's Holy Word. Why? Because they wanted to control the members. 
They wanted to tell people what the church wanted them to do and what the church had to say and what the church believed that you ought to do. But listen, I have found when God saved me and he opened my eyes by the Holy Spirit of God that he is showing me truth. And what I want to know is, what does God have to say about the days to come? And so Peter says here, look, no prophecy is of any private interpretation. For the prophecies came not in old time by the will of man. This is not man's book. These are not man's word. God used over 40 different human penmen. Now, listen, they may have written down the words of God, but the Holy Spirit of God was the author. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So the Bible says that it's not by the will of man. Look at it. Peter says, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They were borne along by the Holy Spirit of God. So listen, as we think about prophecy today in the days ahead, in times of uncertainty, I've known people that have studied prophecy many, many more years than I have. And guess what? They don't understand it all either. There are many things that I have yet to understand. Some I may not understand until I stand in the presence of the Lord one day. But I know this, during times of uncertainty, guess what we have? We have a more sure word of prophecy. God has given us his word, and and this phrase here means it is the written word of God. We can have confidence in the words that God has spoken to us. Back up a few verses in 2 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 14. Peter writes, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle. What is he talking? He's talking about, remember, our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Peter says, look, my time is getting close. I'm not going to be here much longer. And Peter says, it's about time. But notice, he says, even as the Lord Jesus Christ has showed me, moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease, that's talking about after his death, to have these things always in remembrance. Peter said, I want you to remember, even when I'm gone. What is it that he wants them to remember? Here it is. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. You ever had a conversation with somebody and they say, well, that's what the, the Bible is just a bunch of stories, a bunch of made-up stories. Uh, you know, it's just something man put together. Well, he says, look, we haven't followed some cunningly devised fables, something that man has come up with, that this is just a book of fiction. He says, when we made known unto you the power, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, but were eyewitnesses. He says, listen, we, we reported to you exactly what we saw, what God has given to us. Peter was pointing them to the preeminence of God's word in their lives. And by the way, can I tell you this morning, the preeminence of God's word in your life is also so important. That's why we need to have a daily diet of the word of God. We need to know what the Bible says. Well, how do we do that? Well, God instructs us, not just the pastor, not just the leader, every believer to study the Word of God. You know, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. Every week, what's on my heart is, I'm praying that God's house will be full. And every week, I'm praying that believers and even unbelievers will come. And every week, here's what my prayer is. God, give me something for myself that I then can share with those that come. In other words, I want to set the table. I want there to be a meal when somebody comes so that there is something to eat. I mean, who wants to sit down at a table and have a plate and a knife and fork and a spoon, but no food? When I come to church, I come to meet with God. I want to be fed. But can I tell you that, listen, if you if you try to survive on one meal a day, you're going to be a very weak Christian. You need to feed yourself Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every day of the week. God's given us a 
more sure word of prophecy. And he says, I want you to study it. Look at what Paul said to Timothy. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of what? Truth. And I love that word there. That lady I was talking to at that couples retreat, she said, you know, I, a Pastor, I just want to make sure that, that I really understand well, what she was saying is she wanted to make sure she was rightly dividing the word of truth. My, my wife, she got a recipe from Miss Becky, and she makes this casserole in a, in a casserole uh, dish. And, and uh, a lot of times what we'll do is we try to section it off, you know, and get pieces. And sometimes, sometimes I'll fudge over with the knife. Now, don't tell my wife that I do that. But I'll fudge over, you know, and, and sometimes she'll say, uh, did you say cilantro? Sometimes when I go to cut it, you know, my, you know because my hand and I shake a little bit, uh, my, my line's not exactly straight. But, you know, this phrase here, rightly, rightly dividing. Look, you came this morning, I would like to believe that you want to hear the truth. It's amazing to me. Now listen, by the way, it's not me. I just want to share this. See, I can I can keep myself out of trouble if I just stick to the Word. But some people, a lot of people in this church, even in our area right here, will go to the house of God even today. And they will not hear God's Word being rightly divided. Why would you go to church? Why would you? I, I, want, I want to know something that's going to help me. And, and rightly dividing the Word of God means to cut it straight. That's my desire in these next weeks, however many weeks God gives us, is, listen, the emphasis is not necessarily on, on get, gaining and all this knowledge about prophecy. It's that we understand it in the way God's given it to us. Rightly dividing it. Study to show thyself approved. Folks, listen, the final authority when it comes to Bible prophecy doesn't rest on man. The final authority doesn't rest on the church. The final authority when it comes to Bible prophecy rests on the Word of God. We need to make sure that we understand what does the Bible say. So what is the process that we use when it comes to Bible prophecy? Well, it's whatever the pastor says. No. It's whatever my... My, my dad taught me when I was a kid. No. Those things may be good, but we want to understand what does the Bible say. Well, there's two ways we do that. Notice, first of all, we want to make sure that we interpret the Bible literally. Interpret the Bible literally. Now, I've had discussions. I've listened to people talk about, you know, when it comes to a literal interpretation of the Scripture. And I get it. There are people today that are skeptical. They scorn this approach. And here's the reason why. Because... They have a very low, they have a very low impression of the Word of God. Their opinion of the Bible is very low, but their opinion of themselves is very high. It's more about what they think and what they say instead of what does the Bible say. And so we understand here that, and I've given it to you, I think it's a great thing that I found years ago, the basic rule of Bible interpretation. Look at it there. If the literal interpretation, if it makes sense, Look here. If the literal sense makes good sense, seek no other sense, lest there result in nonsense. Ever had a conversation with somebody? And, well, here's an example. The Big Bang Theory. How about this? That we came, we descended from monkeys. Nonsense. Show me in the Bible. It's not there. So, again, when we look at the Word of God, we want to look at it in a literal approach. In other words, what God has plainly spoken, we must not allegorize His literal meaning away. And what I mean by that is this. There are times in the Bible where God will use figurative language. I think it's maybe 29 times in the New Testament. Jesus, listen to me, is referred to as the Lamb of God. Now, certainly we know that he is. The Bible says he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. 
but do you understand this morning that Jesus was not a lamb? Okay, it's a figurative. Jesus said, I am the door. He was not a door. Now, he is the door. He's the way to heaven. So there are times that you find God using figurative language, but the word literal means that we take words in their usual or their commonly accepted sense. That's what we mean by a literal interpretation. Now, here's the hinge pin. Listen to this very carefully. Our interpretation, we're rightly dividing it, our interpretation of those words that we see is controlled by the context. In other words, understanding where those words are found. So we want to interpret literally, then look at letter B. Understand it contextually. See, Scripture must be understood in the grammatical, doctrinal, and historical context in which it is found. See, that's one of the dangers of so many people. What they want to do is they find something, they want to lift it out of the context that it's in, and again, by doing that, it doesn't really hold to what God said literally. That lady at that uh, yesterday, we were talking about prophecy, and she said, she goes, Pastor, I just want to understand it, and that's the word she used, in the context that it's given. So we need to understand Scripture contextually, and if we're going to do that, it requires that we look at each passage in the context of the whole of the Bible that we need to compare. Here it is, Scripture with Scripture. There's a little statement I gave you in your notes that I use all the time. The best commentary uh, of, on the Bible is the Bible. You know, uh, Brother Flynn, a lot of times he has said, he goes, I, I don't use commentaries. You know why? Because Brother Flynn's a walking commentary. You know? But but here's the thing. I've told him, I said, Brother Flynn, I, I understand what you're saying because the truth is, I if you go to my office, I have many commentaries in my office and they're trusted writers but you know what a commentary is? It's somebody else that studied the Bible, and then they they wrote it down. They put it in a book, and they, 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 they produced it and, and published it so that other people could glean from what they studied. Well, listen, God's given us all the Holy Spirit. And, and many times I will do exactly what Brother Flynn does, and I hope it's what you do, is we must first go to God's Word. And we must ask God by His Spirit to open our eyes, to illumine us to what thus saith the Lord. And, and sometimes I might even call a friend, a trusted friend, and, and we might talk about a certain passage or something like that. And, and then, and only then, I'm, I may uh, go to a commentary just to see. And here's what I find a lot of times whenever I do that is, is that you go to some of these commentaries, and if it's one of those passages that oftentimes maybe is a, a little bit more difficult to get a hold of, if many of you understand, if you study it all, Bible prophecy is pretty deep topic. And a lot of times when you go to some of these commentaries and you want to see something on prophecy, guess what? They're silent. They have nothing to say. You know why? Because they don't know either. See, there are many people that have studied, but not, listen, man doesn't have the answer, but I'll tell you who does. God does. God has the answers for us, and so we need to study the Word of God. And Bible prophecy, it's simply this. It's history in advance. It's God sharing us what's going to happen, and it's God's forecast for the future. And can I tell you that if it, if it is God's forecast, it is 100% accurate. We were talking the other day, uh, three or four of us guys were studying, and next thing you know, somebody said something about, you're from Colorado? And I said, yeah, I don't know how he got on the topic. I just remember him saying to one of the guys, he says, you know, one of the easiest jobs to have is to be a forecaster in Colorado. He says, because you can just say anything for the forecast, and he says, and you're always going to be right. He says, that you hardly ever can't be wrong. It's the easiest place to be a, a weather forecaster. Well, listen, can I tell you, if it's God's word and God said it, then guess what? It's 100% accurate. Uh, look what Isaiah said about it. Now, Isaiah 46 there in your notes. Isaiah writes down about the Lord. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall what? God says, my counsel is going to stand. Now watch this. And I will do all 
not some, all my pleasure, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, and I will also bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. Not one promise of God has ever fallen to the ground. God is true and every man's a liar. And so God here says, look, my word, even when it comes to prophecy, is 100% accurate. And when you look at prophecy, the pinnacle of Bible prophecy is what we call the second coming of Jesus Christ. Notice again what Titus chapter 2, and I hope you know this verse, and I hope this is what you're doing in your life as a Christian. Look at it. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. A lot of times we get excited when somebody's going to come for a visit. and uh, We know that this person's going to come or whatever. Now I'm going to tell you something. Every believer ought to be looking forward to that day that Jesus comes back for us. And understand this morning that the next major event that is going to happen prophetically on God's timetable is what's known as the rapture. Now, I will tell you this. The word rapture is not in the Bible. It's actually a Latin term, which means to be snatched out. You'll find the terminology to be caught up together with it in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. I think we have a, 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 a timetable here, and I want you to see this. And maybe you can zoom a little bit, come over here to help me see it a little bit. But I want you to see that right here at the beginning of this timetable, you see the proclamation that was given to rebuild Jerusalem. And then notice underneath of it, it says 69 weeks. Now that's a reference to Daniel's prophecy of the 69 weeks, or really the 70 weeks. Now to date, 69 of the 70 have happened. There's still one week that is yet to be fulfilled. So notice that as you see that 69 weeks come to an end, what was the event? It's called where the Messiah was cut off. Notice the cross. That's where Jesus came and he lived among us and he gave his life so that all that would believe in him would have eternal life. Jesus laid his life down. He gave his life so that we could have a home in heaven someday. And God's people said, Amen. Now, when Jesus ascended, we find that in Acts chapter 1, he went back to be with the Father. But before he did, in Matthew 16, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So here's where we're living today. Some people call it the church age for that reason. Some people like to refer to it as the age of missions. I believe that missions is a part of the great commission that God has given to the church. And so understand that we today, Bible Baptist Church, we have 66 missionaries around the world. We are trying to reach our Jerusalem. We're trying to reach uh, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And that is the current age that we live in. Now, some people call it the age of grace. I don't think there's nothing wrong with that, but I really believe that you can find grace in every age in the Word of God. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, the Bible says. But here's where we live today. We're living in the church age. And if you study it out, here's what you find in Romans 9, 10, and 11. You, you find that we are currently living in what I would call a parenthetical time period. In other words, God's program, the 70 weeks of Daniel, has been temporarily suspended. It's almost like there's been a parenthesis, and that program will continue someday. But in the current age... What God is wanting us to do as believers, Jews and Gentiles alike, is to go into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this age that we live in will come to an end with one event, and that is known as the rapture. Now, again, some people say, well, why do we use the word rapture if it's not in the Bible? Well, listen, we believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but guess what? The word Trinity is not in the Bible either. But yet we still believe in it because we find the teaching of it in the Word of God. So the rapture is where the Lord will come back. Now, He's not coming back to the earth. The Bible says we'll be caught up together with Him in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so the Bible is teaching that we will rise with
that we will be with the Lord. The Bible will maybe cover some of those things that will happen, the marriage supper of the Lamb, other things that will take place. But as time goes on, notice that when the saints of God are taken out of this world, it will begin what is known as the time of tribulation. And how long is that? Well, it's one week or seven years. That's the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. Now, again, you have to go back to Daniel and other places in the Bible to understand that. We may cover that in the weeks ahead. But that time period there of the tribulation is actually seven years, and it's divided into three and a half years and three and a half years. It's one week. Now, understand that that second three and a half years is described as the great tribulation. But something's going to happen at that three-and-a-half-year mark that will change everything. We'll talk about that. Maybe you've read about it in your Bible. But notice that at the end of the time of tribulation, that's where we'll see the second coming of Christ. Because when we're raptured out, that's not, Jesus is not coming back to the earth, but Zechariah actually prophesied that Jesus will come back. He will set his feet down upon the Mount of Olives, And the Bible begins to talk about what is known as the thousand-year reign of Christ or the millennial reign of Christ. Now, that's a lot to swallow. That's a lot to take in. That's a real quick snapshot of what's going to happen in the days ahead. If you're new in the Lord, then listen, just continue to come, and you'll hear some more, and you can study the Bible more. If we're believers and we've been saved and been studying the Word of God, let's make sure that we're rightly dividing the Word of God. So we're going to look at all this, but here's what I want you to get out of this, is that as we look at it today as an introduction, that the scriptures teach that the rapture, the next event, will end the church age, and it will actually prepare the way for the tribulation time period and the return, the ultimate return of Christ at his second coming. Now, that that is what we see as the rise of the end-time voices, and then we understand of the revelation, how God reveals Bible prophecy. I want you to see thirdly this morning the reliability of Bible prophecy because some people say, well, I hear what you're saying, you know, but that's not what I think, all right? Now, again, you have to consider the source because when I think about the Bible, it has never been wrong in its prophetic predictions. Hundreds of Bible prophecies have already been fulfilled, and they've not only been fulfilled, but they've been fulfilled to the exact detail. Other religions today cannot say, they cannot come close to making those same claims. But there are over 120 uh, fulfilled prophecies already about Christ's first coming. And his first coming was what we celebrate at Christmas. By the way, those prophecies about his first coming were actually penned hundreds of years before Mary conceived of the Holy Ghost. So again, God is going to be true to his nature. He will keep his word. But we also understand that if he was faithful in fulfilling all the prophecies about his first coming, then we can be confident that he is going to be faithful about the over 300 promises and prophecies concerning his second coming, that God will keep his word. Notice what Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. See, God's going to keep his word. God will be true to his word. For over thousands of years, Bible prophecy has been 100% accurate. And that means that the margin of error is zero. And folks, as as a Christian, as a believer, that ought to give you confidence that when we read our Bible and we're reading about future prophecies, that we can fully trust and we can fully believe that God's word is true and that all the events that are happening in this world and that are going to happen are running on God's timetable. They're not running on our timetable. God knows exactly what's going on in this world, and we see the reliability of Bible prophecies. Now, notice fourthly, what are then some responses? How are people responding? Now, let's go back to 2 Peter chapter 3, and let's look at some ways that 
people a response. There might be people listening by way of live stream. You might be sitting here this morning, and you might say, well, Pastor, I, look, I've, I've spent some time, and I think this, or whatever. Well, let me just give you some of the responses. Notice, first of all, what Peter says. He says, some will scoff when you talk about the things that are going to happen. Now, that means that they're going to mock. They're, they're going to say, you're old-fashioned, and what you believe is not relevant for the day that we're living in. But can I tell you, look at 2 Peter 3, 3. Again, he says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. There's going to be those people that, that just have an issue, just have a problem. They just have different thoughts. You know, I, I try not to get worked up about things, but as a pastor, especially in America, I get bothered sometimes with how many Americans are being deceived and misled by the media. Listen, you need to have your spiritual antenna up. You need to be discerning. Do not believe everything that the media has to say. As a matter of fact, I believe about that much of what the media has to say. And folks, listen, here's the whole problem, is that the media, what they're attempting to really do is to silence Christians. They want to silence God's people. See, the world today is demanding that we be tolerant of various causes. But it's amazing how in their demand for tolerance of their causes, they are intolerant toward people that would name the name of Jesus. They're intolerant to people that would stand for the unborn. They're intolerant to people that say, we have rights as Bible-believing Christians. Scriptures point out, and I want you to see it again, 2 Peter, Peter 3, 3. Here's the reason why. Peter writes it down. Why people are mocking Bible prophecy. Look at it. There shall come in the last days scoffers, and here's the reason that they're going to mock. Because they're walking how? After their own lust. See, they're not interested in what God has to say. It's all about them. It's about the new world order. It's about man's way. Now, some are going to scoff. But watch this. Look at letter B. Some will seek. Now, what are they seeking? What do they, they want? They're trying to verify. Look, I, I, hope, I hope that you take those notes and I hope you take your Bible over these next couple weeks, and I hope you don't just take my word for it. I hope you search the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Listen, I can't think of a better source to go to than the Word of God. Don't Google. Go to God. And, and here's the thing is, is that some are going to study the Word of God. Now, what do you get out of studying the Word of God? Well, look, if we go back and we study the past, here's what they will find is especially in Noah's day, remember the flood? How that God, now, what was the purpose behind that? If they studied that passage, it, not only in Genesis, but also we see here in Peter's writing in the New Testament that God was teaching, and if you study the Word of God, here's what you're going to find, and this is still true today. God will and has always judged sin. He will always punish sin. Look what Peter writes here. Notice what he says in 2 Peter 3, 6. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So watch this. If people would seek, they would go to the Word of God, and they study the past, then guess what? They're going to find that there was sin, there was, there was all this ungodliness in Noah's day, and what did God do? God judged the world, and how did He do that? He brought a great catastrophe, a flood upon the earth, and everybody except for Noah and his family, eight people, the world perished. Now, God gave a beautiful symbol that He would never do that again. And even that, this wicked world has taken that symbol that is a beautiful picture of the promise of God that he would never do that again. And they've twisted it and painted it 
See, when I think of the rainbow, excuse me, I think of God. Now, I want you to notice that they can study the past. By studying the past, they'll see that God will judge sin. But then I want you to also see that by studying the prophecies of the future, that just like those sincere seekers saw that God released the global judgment upon the earth with the flood, that God once again, in the future, will judge this world, but not by a flood this time, but by fire. Look what Peter writes, 2 Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Notice the word works. Everybody is believing in who they are and what they can do and what church they're a part of. See, they're trusting in their works. The Bible says their works will be burned up. There's not going to be anything left. God will judge. If they study the scriptures, look, they'll understand that in the past, he judged the world by a flood. And notice that in the future, he's going to judge the world again, but this time by a fire. But can I tell you that as they seek and as they search the scriptures, guess what they're also going to find? They're going to find a Savior who freely offers to them salvation, eternal life, even during these unstable times. So notice that we find some, yes, that are going to scoff, that there will be those that will seek, and those that seek will find salvation. They will find salvation. See, biblical prophecies, don't miss this, and the literal interpretation of those prophecies are ultimately intended to bring us to a point of decision. What do you trust in? Where have you put your hope? Because everybody believes in something. Everybody believes in someone. And this changing world that we live in today, it will end someday according to God's word. And the reason that God, listen to me, gives prophecy in the Bible is so that we can know the truth and we can find salvation. Jesus put it this way, I am the way. I'm not, I'm not lessening Bible prophecy. But what I'm saying to you is there's a purpose. And that purpose is that there are people, people that you know, maybe even you yourself, that you don't know that if this was your last day, if you opened your eyes and you trusted in Jesus. See, that's the purpose behind Bible prophecy. Going back, look at 2 Peter 3.9 again. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. But notice he's long-suffering to us, Lord. Aren't you glad for the long-suffering of God? And then look at this. Here it is. He's not willing that any should perish, but that how many? All should come to repentance. See, if you've never been saved, if you've never trusted Christ, listen, here's the truth. Right now, God is withholding his judgment. Now, we know from Noah's day that he will eventually judge the world. But he's withholding this, and you know what? He's waiting for you. He's waiting for others to be saved. Now, there are some that will find salvation. And look at this, letter D. Some will be strengthened. Some will be strengthened. See, Bible prophecy encourages us that, that, listen, knowing all the events, that we can live more fervently, that you and I, even during changed times, we can be motivated. And what are we to be motivated to do? To be involved in eternal investments. Well, what are eternal investments? Well, yesterday, 13 people left this property and took a handful of gospel tracts and had the truth on them and went out into the highways and hedges and compelled people to come in told people about the love of God.
listen, we can be involved in uh, worldwide evangelization. We call it missions. Listen, do you give so that others can come to know Christ, so that others can go to the regions beyond? Notice Peter, 2 Peter 3.11. Here it is. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Here's the admonition for you. What manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness. See, I really do believe that believers, Christians, should live differently than those that do not know Christ. We should tell others about the Lord. See, what matters most to God should matter most to us. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we have to be faithful. Faithful to share that good news. Look at, again at what Paul wrote to, uh, to Timothy. He says, who, talking about God, will have all, notice, all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. Well, when is that, when is that window going to close? How much longer do we have? No man knows the day nor the hour. It's like the old farmer who was awakened one night by the grandfather clock in his house that was down the hall from his bedroom. The clock had been in the family for several generations, and that, that old clock had just been faithful to mark each passing hour with its chimes. He kind of got accustomed to it, kind of got used to hearing it, but it wasn't the chiming that brought the farmer to an upright position that night. It was the count of the number of chimes. Something in the clock went haywire. And instead of the clock chiming 12 times, it chimed 14 times. Still groggy and only half awake, he, he, he was sitting still in the bed and he shook his wife and he said, Nellie, wake up. He says, it's later now than it's ever been. Now, you and I, we don't have some sort of universal grandfather clock. Now, can I tell you that if you know enough about the Bible and enough about prophecy, it's later now than it's ever been. I think we're close. I'm not a date setter. I'll tell you, look what the Bible says in the last book of the Revelation. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Do you know? Do you know the Lord is your Savior? And if you are saved, let's understand God's Word. Let's rightly divide it. Let's interpret it the way God has given it to us, and let's study it in the very context that it's given. Why should we do that? Because there will be many that will scoff, but guess what? Some will seek, and those that seek will find, and those that have found will be strengthened. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I don't know about you, but Bible prophecy, thinking about the days ahead, you can get very anxious Listen, we all know that it's all in God's control. As the piano plays this morning, God's spoken to your heart, whatever it may be. Why don't you step out? Why don't you come to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to keep my eyes on you and to keep my nose in your book and make sure that I'm rightly dividing the Word of God. Some of you might know somebody, a close friend, family member that's not saved. I tell you, if you were listening to the message, your heart ought to be stirred this morning for that person. Because if they don't get saved, they will go through a very, very bad time. And the Bible says they will not escape it. Some of you might want to come this morning and say, Lord, help me to search the scriptures so I can help others. As Brother Kenny begins to sing, if you need to be saved, why don't you come today and we'll take the Bible and show you how you can know that heaven will be your home.
Would you come today? Father, we thank you for the day you've given. Thank you for your word that was preached. Lord, we thank you for the reminder, uh, Lord, of what is to come. Uh, Lord, the future plans that you have in store. But Lord, we thank you for the, for the look back at today. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to stand for truth. Lord, I pray you'd help us to follow you, to turn our eyes upon Christ. And Lord, understand that you have a purpose and a plan right now. And Lord, help us to uh, be soul conscious. Lord, that as, as we pass through uh, these days, as we get closer and closer to eternity, Lord, may we be doing our part to reach souls for Christ before it may be eternally too late. And Lord, I pray you'd help us just to turn our eyes upon you, that we would trust you and that your plan is completely perfect and that it is for our best and our best interest. We pray this in Jesus' name.